Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour podcast. Three women, one podcast, and a whole load of badass. Well, this week, there's actually two women, myself, Harriet Minter, and Scarlett Douglas. We'll be meeting a woman who is out to raise the profile of cancer amongst women of colour through an amazing exhibition. And we'll be teaching you how to be an activist. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators, but no one compares. Badass Women's Hour XL with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. One, two, three, four! Now, our next guest is here representing an amazing charity called Copperfield, which is all about encouraging women to copper feel of their breasts and check themselves for lumps. Uh, This is the new advert that they have just launched. Life can be a bit of a handful. But what do you do? Let go. Or grab on to everything it has to offer. Ask yourself, do you back down when things get tough? Or confront them, breasts on? Do you give up? Or give it hell. Do you ignore your amazing boobs or fearlessly check them regularly? We thought so. This is grabbing life by the boobs. So grab regularly and check out any changes. It could save your life. Search Copperfield. Grab life. I love that, grabbing life by the boobs. That's brilliant. Uh, joining us now, we've got an incredible woman who is campaigning to give greater represent- representation to black, Asian, minority, ethnic cancer patients um, through Copperfield and her incredible new programme, I guess, Black Women Rising. Leanne Perry, welcome to Badass Women's Hour. Thank Amazon. you. Excited uh, to be here. So tell us a little bit about your story. You've been diagnosed with breast cancer. Tell us how that happened. Well, my mum's had breast cancer twice um, and uh, six months before uh, I was diagnosed, she had got it for the second time. And um, yeah, it was just really weird. I found a lump. Obviously, everybody thought I was being paranoid just because my mum had had it and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, were you checking your breasts or was it was it something because your mum had had breast cancer, you were like, quite I will do natural it? natural to me, yeah, yeah, where it's not natural to a lot of people. For me, yeah. it was natural to check my breasts because of, obviously, our family history. Yeah. Um, particularly when she was diagnosed for the second time and she was quite young, deemed quite young. You yeah. know, she was 58, 57, 58. Uh, for me, obviously, I was checking quite vigorously mm. through that six months period and I found a lump. And at first they said, oh, it might be hormonal. I remember the doctor saying, no way, you haven't got it, you're just being paranoid, you're too... And it was like, you're too young anyway. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I dismissed it for a while, and it didn't go. Um, and I felt it get bigger and bigger. Um, and then one day I said, you know what, I just need to go and get this done. Um, and I went into my doctor's surgery. She said, nope, 
let's get this checked out straight away, forwarded me to the hospital. Um, and it was just, I remember it was around the time I was about to turn 31. So I was like, I don't want to be dealing with this right now. But they fast-tracked me so much. Um, and within three weeks of me going to the hospital, you know, I was told, obviously, the worst news you could ever imagine, you know, so... Wow. I mean, for me, I just think... I don't understand why there's not an age... Or there is a, an age restriction, I think, for having a... It's a, a mammogram, mammogram, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and my mum always gets called in. I'm like, why am I not going in to do it? Like, even with the smear test, a lot of times... You know, I know Jade Goody really fought for yeah. younger women to go and have smear tests. And why are we not being checked oh, out at ridiculous. a younger age? There was, like, a petition for it to be lowered. But, you know, that, that kind of, you know, went up to the House of Commons for discussion. And, you know, nothing's happened from there. But, you know, the girls that I work with and the girls that I meet, we're, they're all young people, you know, people... Mm. And when I mean young people's you know, below the age of 44. Mm. You know, these are the women that I'm mainly seeing and working with every day. Is that day. the age, 44, to have it? Um, I think it's 50. I think it's 50. No it's 50. Something like that yeah. anyway. I can't be too yeah. sure. But in terms of the young, you know, they, I was talking about it yesterday with some, with some doctors. They see if, if you have breast cancer under the age of 44, mm-hmm. you're deemed young. Right, so like yeah. In that kind of young bracket, yeah. And wow. how was it for you being diagnosed at that young age? Did you feel like... Because we've had sort of um, cancer survivors on the show before who have been diagnosed very young, and they said they felt very isolated. Oh, I, was, I felt so isolated. Mm. I felt abnormal. I felt that it was something wrong with me. I was, you know... And, and the doctors are quite pretty clear that this is rare, yeah. you know. I remember one of my oncologists turned around and said, you, you've got better chances of winning the lottery than having breast cancer at oh your age. God. And I was a bit like, oh, my God, do you know what I mean? And, and, and I was, at the time, the youngest of the cohort of ladies that were diagnosed yeah. at the time in my hospital. And I was, so I was 31 years old, just turned 31 years old. So I did feel isolated, and I did. I went into, I went into hiding for about eight months after I... I just didn't... I told, obviously, close family and friends immediates mm. and stuff, but I just I couldn't let anybody else know. I felt ashamed, like... I was thinking there's something wrong with me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And obviously, let's not talk about the treatment side of stuff mm. because obviously cancer, again, and, you know, you're such a young age, I, I didn't have children. They offered me fertility treatment um, mm-hmm. and all these other things that they want to give to you. But I was so traumatised. It was quite a fast-growing cancer, they said, as well. So I was like, nope, just give me the chemo straight away. I remember I started chemo within a couple of weeks of being diagnosed. Um, and, you know, I just got hit with not necessarily, like, the vomiting side effects of chemo, but I got, like, my hair you know, yeah. dropped out straight away three days after taking my first chemo. I got hit with all the kind of physical side effects, the weight gain, mm. do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and for me, it was like, I just felt completely robbed because it does, like, I, I believe cancer just kind of robs you of all things that make you feminine, mm, do you know yeah. what I mean? So, and that classify you, you know, society classifies you as a woman, that cancer yeah. robs you of those things. And for me, I felt very isolated for sure. And how did you feel as a black woman? Because your campaign right now is about, as you say, telling the untold yeah. cancer stories. Tell us about yeah, that. Yeah, and it's great because I'm working with, obviously, wonderful charities like Copperfield to help me, you know, escalate mm. this story. Um, what I found was I... Um, the, the, the mental health uh, that I was promised after the cancer and stuff, especially when I was given the all-clear, it just was non-existent. Yeah. And I wasn't the only one. There's so many women I met on the ward that our mental health was just completely suffering because of the treatment, because, you you know, you, yeah. you keep strong, don't you, until mm-hmm. it's over and then you get that all-clear diagnosis and you think, oh, my God, yeah, I get my life back, but what type of life do you get back? It's Life is never the yeah. same again. So searching for that new normal, 
is frustrating and it's depressing. And for me, it really, really, it made me hit rock bottom and I didn't understand it. The hospital couldn't help me. Um, so I went out and I basically began to blog about my experiences. I'm a writer anyway, yeah. mm -hmm. but I had began blogging, but I thought, Do you know, what, let me tie these blogs up and put them out online. Um, and I sort of put them out there and, and um, you know, a few charities got involved with helping me obviously spread that, that word. And, oh, my God, I got contacted by so many women really? from the BAME. So that's, you know, uh, yeah. black and Asian, you know, community. Women like myself, same age, younger, older, mm -hmm. saying, I can't believe there's a brown face talking about this disease. Wow. It's not just me. I feel so isolated. But the stories were unbelievable. I had quite a good support network around me. Um, but there was women that were going through this disease by themselves. There was women that were being told not to take the life-saving drugs because it was ungodly, you know. There was women oh being told, you know, you've got cancer because it's a curse for the things that you've done in the past. <gasps> These were the stories I was being faced with, women that had been isolated from their families, women that had been told, you know that, um, you know, you can't be around the family at the moment because we don't want any of the, you know, the negative vibes around the family. We don't want people to see you without the hair. And these things sound like religion, cultural... It's, it's all cultural race, myths and taboos, what, you know. Yeah. It's all these things that people think because what they do is they tend to go around and say, well, this is not a black disease, mm. you know. And yes. I've heard that many times. How come you've got the disease? Black people don't get this disease, you know. This is what it is. Or they think that the... The complete cure to the disease is um, herbal medicine. Yeah, yeah. Um, don't get me wrong, it's great. Holistic medicines and things like that are great. You know, I did a bit of that myself whilst I was going through treatment, yeah. mm -hmm. which helped me curb the side effects. But you've got some people that are like, no, you know, take the cannabis oil and take this and yeah. take that. When actually, when you've just been diagnosed with cancer, you're so traumatised, you can't even think about yeah. even <laughs> consuming anything because yeah. your thing is like, let me get rid of this. I want to fight this, you know? Mm. And that added pressure on these women. What I was finding was I was coming into contact with women, for example, that were 10 years um, post-treatment and their hair weren't growing back yeah. because they were so stressed out and so traumatised. Oh. Women that were 20 years after their treatment and they had never spoken about it. Women that were feeling so isolated women that were f had lost all their confidence, scared to go back to work, you know, um, and not getting any help. Women that were going, you know, ha going um, and having chemo, single mums going to have chemo, jumping on the bus after chemo, picking wow. up the kids and expected to go home and cook dinner. Wow. These were the stories. And eventually people, you know, I was contacted by so many women. OK, we're going to keep talking about these stories yeah. because they are incredible. And yeah. we'll have more from Leanne after this break. Badass Women's Hour XL on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. I'm thinking really particularly of one kind of um, campaign around funding for cancer a few months ago that came into a lot of trouble because oh, it yeah. featured, yeah. well, for a start, people that had never had cancer. <laughs> and <laughs> oh, oh, gosh, yeah. this one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. And it was, you know, it was entirely... Don't mess with the cancer community. <laughs> <laughs> really don't. Yeah. And it was entirely basically white influencers. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. what do you think when you see stuff like that? Um, part of my project was all about that. Like part mm. of my project is about that. Getting um, more black women uh, visible on these campaigns. It's just so important, you know. In our community, you know, you've got women of colour are more likely to uh, find their cancers at advanced stages because they're not checking. We need to be seen, we need to be showing that we are getting this disease. Mm. You know, we need to be showing that we are 
you know, not exempt from this at mm. any age. And, yeah. and to be honest, that's not happening. Particularly when mm-hmm. I was being diagnosed, I didn't yeah. see it. If I knew that there was someone I could go to mm. online, which mm-hmm. is what's happening to me now, so many people are contacting me going, oh my God, it's so good to see yeah. that I'm not the only person. If there was someone I could visibly go to online to connect with and find out, it, it that just makes life a little bit easier. But there's not, it's not happening. Since we did the exhibition um, and, you know, started talking about these stories, which attracted, obviously, the first time we ran it, attracted quite a lot of attention because it's never been done before. It's great. We've been signed up to many campaigns and we've been involved with, you know, getting some of our women involved in these amazing cancer campaigns, which is brilliant. And, you know, Mm -hmm. like, for example, my um, feature, obviously, in the new Copperfield ad, like, ah, it was something I did... And I, and I didn't really want to do because I was like, look, this is not my thing. But a good friend of mine, she was like, Leanne, just go and do it. And um, she goes, you need to do it. It's good for the community. And, you know, I went and did it. The Copperfield team are absolutely amazing people yeah. anyway. And I felt at ease from the beginning to the end. And I left the shoot and I was like, this is going to be something amazing. Oh, my God. I get contacted on a daily basis. I've seen wow. you in the cinema. I'm watching Lion King with my daughter. Um, you, like, I'm starting to check my breasts which is the whole aim of what yeah. Copperfield were trying to do. Mm. But, you know, it's so nice to see a brown face in that advert. It's yeah. just something that's never been done before. And I'm sitting there thinking, hey, you know, really? But the impact yeah. of something like that, just a small feature, that's all it's needed for people to be messaging me. I've got young girls saying to me, oh, my God, I've started to check my breasts, you know, and asking me questions. Then I know that I'm so glad that i done it. Do you know what I mean? Like, and that's not happening Sorry enough. to cut you there, Dan. Yeah, it's 2019. And to I think know. that you're, like, one of the first black women to be in a campaign like this is mental. Yeah, it's just not happening. And, and, and I don't think it's just the advertisers problem i think at the same time or the charities that are putting these campaigns together i don't necessarily think it's just their fault mm. um i i definitely think there's a there's a big thing to be said about us not talking as a general in the community that's why it's important my work like for example today i've just come from my support group that i run which was completely yeah. i do a bi-monthly support group called black women rising mm. um and all women come. I had a woman come all the way from Bristol today for wow. my support group because wow. she just can't find any support yeah. for women of colour. It's important that we start the conversation in our yeah. communities to say, listen, it's OK to talk. We're all going through it. Talk about it. The more you talk about it, mm. the more these conversations are happening in our household, the more people are going to start checking and having these conversations with their daughters, their sons, about checking these things. And then, therefore, being di- di- diagnosed Sorry, at... And if they, if there is, you know, a diagnosis yeah. there, at an early stage, which is what Copperfield's message is, is all about, really, you know. What has been the response towards you from your community? Has it been positive, or have you oh, had you any people? What? I've had a mixed yeah. response. At the beginning, I was sort of said because obviously my cancer exhibition was about showing the intimate scars, so we were yeah. all getting topless and things like mm-hmm. that to show our scars, um, and you know. There was a, there was a, a, definitely a process to that. Like you have to get over yourself. It was something yeah. that it was like, well, this is not for me. This is for my community, mm. you know. And there was a process to all of us doing this because we didn't know what the reaction was going to be. And I'll never forget when I um, when it went out and we were sort of spreading the word. I remember getting a comment on one of my things, and they said, "You don't have to get our women to you don't our women don't have to, to our women don't have to get their kit off to." Sp- spread the message or something like that and I nearly responded Mm. and then I didn't and then Mm. I remember getting a message going um something about you know why are you including all these types of women you need to include um 
other women as well because it's not just a, a black thing. And I just thought, you know what, this is the sort of ignorance that happens when you try yeah, and think yeah. out of the box, hence why maybe people haven't done it. Yeah. Mm. But I haven't got nothing to lose. What I went through was absolutely diabolical. I'm mm. not going to sit here and say that it was a plain ride, as much yeah. as it might look glamorous online mm. and things that I've written and yeah. you know pictures I might post up. It's not glamorous. I have to live with this every day. And I don't want any young woman to have to go through what I've gone through. So that's my message in my head. Mm. So now when I do my things, that's all I think about. Yeah. And as a result, the movement is moving. Mm. we're getting it's out the there bigger picture. it's the bigger picture now we've got girls going into you know campaigns we've got people consulting with places like tfl other charities you know one of my girls was just in a campaign for ghd wow. and breast cancer yeah. do you know what i'm saying so we you know and i've got a few talks and, and meetings over the next couple of weeks which are really really exciting we're getting out there and mm. obviously raising this awareness which is just so important what was the impact of cancer on your personal life? Because you're, you know, in your early 30s, yeah. didn't have kids. No. What was all, it like? It was awful. Absolutely awful. Yeah. I think I'd always... I I had been through quite a lot in my life anyway, so I was a child sexual abuse victim, okay. you know, so that took a long time to get myself out. It took me years to get over that. Um, I went through really, really bad depression after a really, mm. really br a bad breakup in my 20s. And life was just evening out for me. You know, yeah. I've always run my business. I've run my business since I was 15 years old. So I run wow. a community dance company. So I've always run that, celebrating 19 years on Tuesday, by the way. Happy <laughs> Thank you. But um, I've always run my business and stuff, which is always, you know, it's been my sort of sanity. But personally, I've always suffered from mental health problems. Mm. So when cancer came, I remember just saying to a friend, listen, I've done all of this. I've got through everything else. I can't do this as well and I remember feeling so depressed with it I am a positive person yeah. I can turn things around which I did but my mental health just suffered greatly I was like I'm 30 I'm not married yet mm -hmm. you know I was enjoying my single life after being in a relationship yeah. for so long mm. I was like I'm, well no one's gonna want to have me now yeah. you know that came to mind I've got a broken body you know I, I yeah. don't have breasts even though they got reconstructed and all that yeah. sort of stuff. I don't have breasts. I, you know, I haven't had children yet. They offered me the fertility treatment, but I didn't take it because I was too traumatised. Mm. Are my periods going to come back? Am I going to go into early menopause? Mm. All of this stuff runs through your mind. And my hair, I lost my hair. Mm. You, you do, you sit there and you go, am I going to have those things in life? Am I going to find a man that's going to accept me? Yeah. Am I going to feel like a woman again? Am I, am I going to lose the weight that I put on? Mm. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> and how is it now? Cancer's changed my life, and I'm going to be honest, and this is quite good for people to know, cancer's changed my life for the better. I'm a yeah. much better and happier person now than I was before wow. cancer. Um I understand myself more and I love myself a lot more than I did before, which if it's had to take and I, what I, how I rationalise it, if it's had to take for something like cancer to change my life and, and, and me to live the way that I live now, yeah. then I accept it. Whereas a lot of people don't. Mm, I accept yeah. it. If I've had to sacrifice my breasts for that, I accept it because I accept myself a lot more now. I love myself. I have a lot more confidence. I don't think I could be even doing this today if it wasn't for going through such a journey. I found my voice. Yeah. I found validation all these things that I had grown up with and suffered from for such a long time. I'm so happy to sit here today and say, and, I, and I'm always very honest about, you know, yeah. my cancer journey. But for me personally, that's what it's done. Um, so I feel a lot more happier now. And I, and I believe what will come will come. 
Yeah. You know, I've dated, and actually, I've dated a lot more better men now than I did before cancer <laughs> because you take the nonsense. because I don't take the nonsense <laughs> anymore. Do you know what I mean? So, um, if it's taken for that to happen for me to do that, then I accept what I had, and if I'm yeah. able to now inspire others, then it's it's great. You know. Do you tell people you're dating? that you've been through breast cancer? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, they know because it's all out there on the... T- <laughs> I have to tell people, look, do Please you know what? Google there's, me. Topless, there's topless pictures of me online. So if you Google me, that's you know. come up. Yes, I literally have had to say that. There's topless pictures of me online, but not in that way. It's all for a good, for a good cause. cause. Yeah. <laughs> what would you say to any kind of young black women listening today who... Like, oh, well, I felt a bit of a lump, but I don't know. Yeah. I'm not, not worried about it. What I always say, them? go and check it out. Mm. Get your doctor to check it and get your doctor to refer you to the hospital. Take control of your care. Um, so many women, even today in my support group, the amount of women that were told by the GPs, oh, it's nothing. Mm. Even going yeah. to that first initial consultation at the hospital, we're going to double check, but to be honest, I don't think it's nothing. The amount of women that said that to me today, and mm. I was just like... And then it turned out to be what it was. If you find anything that you suspect, go and check it out. The earlier, this is what Copperfield's message is all about. The earlier you check, if there is something, the better, you know, you're like more unlikely to survive and the treatments are going to be more effective, you know, that they have. There's so many different things. If you are diagnosed with breast cancer now or, you know, whatever, you know, chemo is not the only option, which a lot of people think is definitely not the only option mm. there's so many other drugs and treatments out there you know so i just say to people don't fear that just go and get it checked out for your peace of mind yeah i'm having to feel now <laughs> yeah good <laughs> yeah, 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 getting right in there that's it <laughs> uh leanne thank you so much for no, joining us uh, if you want to see leanne's amazing exhibition black women rising the untold cancer stories uh it is on at the oxtay tower wharf from the 30th of august to the 1st of september um if people want to find you and talk to you online where can they find you um i'm mainly on my instagram so that's leanne perro official brilliant Thank you, Madden. Uh, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your story with us. You're That's an okay. absolute inspiration. Thank it's you. It's been a joy having you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
plushcare.com slash weight loss The Vampire Strikes Back Badass Women's Hour XL on Talk Radio Welcome back to Badass Women's Hour. Now, if you wanted to make a difference in your community, would you know where to start? Do you know how to get laws changed? Do you know how to change attitudes? Do you know how to be an activist? Well, our next guests have literally written the book on it, How to Make a Difference, The Definitive Guide from the World's Most Effective Activists, written by Kate and Ella Robertson. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hello, Harriet. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. Uh, Kate, let's start with you. What inspired you to write the book? Um, the organisation that we run is called One Young World and we have a global summit every year and this is the 10th one this year coming back to London and it's quite inspirational for the people who attend it. There was this year there'll be 2,000 young leaders from every country in the world in London and we are always asked by them, by their friends who haven't made it to a summit or people that they work with, people saying, how can I make a difference? I want to do something. I'm interested in this. How do I do that? Mm -hmm. And if you step back from everything you know, being a seriously badass woman, (laughs) as is Scarlett, no (laughs) doubt, and, and ask yourself, if you didn't know, what would you do? And what are the many pitfalls you'd have? What are the things that would actually stop you getting off your badass to actually do something? And we felt that this this book could be a way to tell everybody how everybody else is doing it and and move on from there. But the, the stunning thing in that book, which it is better talking about than I am, is the people who are in that book are awesome. So, Ella, tell us, um, how's the book put together and how did you go about getting the advice from some awesome people? Um, it was a really, really exciting labour of love. We uh, interviewed more than 100 activists from around the world. I think there's about 40 countries that make it into the book. Um, and it, there's people going right back to the civil rights movement, right through to Me Too today. So it's a it's a historic overview of activism. And we asked them for their practical advice um, and really, really pushed them to say, OK, there was a young activist saying to you now, what advice would you give them? So it's very practical. It's very action oriented. There's a checklist at the end of each chapter of top tips. And the chapters are called things like how to change the law, how to protest, how to use social media effectively, because lots of people really really have the energy and good intentions but you can waste a lot of energy in activism if you if you don't take the right steps Mm. so what are the right steps i think the first thing and some people would disagree with us on this we think that you've got to work on what you're passionate about there's no hierarchy of causes so that might seem something less serious like elephants or it might be something you seemingly more serious like uh, sexual harassment It doesn't matter what other people think is important. Start with what's important to you because it's going to be your passion and you staying awake at night thinking about it and you wanting to get up early that is going to make you the effective activist. So I think for anyone thinking, oh, I'd like to make a difference, start with um, our chapter one, which is how to find a cause that matters to you. So I can tell you're both very passionate about it. Were you both activists? Are you activists? I think we've become so. I think for us it's been, for me personally, certainly inadvertent and clearly late in life. Um, But the work that we do with One Young World with young leaders knocks you back because you it's it's a humbling experience to see people who are very young, especially people from, say, what we call the developing world, who may have absolutely no resources that you and I would recognise, who are actually able to change laws and change their countries and 
all you can do is your pa- my passion is to is to put everything I do at their service because they they are just so it's just a humbling experience for me, and I think that that makes me active on on their behalf. I think more than anything else. I think I mean I think our cause that we really care about is young leaders, but because. Our mission at One Young World is to create the next generation of more responsible and effective leadership because we believe that all the big problems, systemic problems we face in the world, like climate change, like extremism, come down to a lack of leadership. And when there's a leadership vacuum, it gets filled with bad things. So, yes, I think we are activists on behalf of trying to create a better class of leadership. What do you term as an activist because it feels like it's quite a 2019 term everyone wants to be an activist now i know i know on instagram now you can say you can set it as like who are you one of the options is activist what actually makes someone an activist we try in the book to draw a line between slacktivism and activism because i think lots of people think oh i signed a petition i retweeted something i'm quite woke therefore And actually, it is about, is that making a difference in the world? Are you actually changing something? And really, the word activism, that active part of it, you can't be a passive activist. And I think social media lulls us into a false sense of security that we're making a difference when we're not. So it really is about you going outside of your home, going outside of your day-to-day life, you know, just being a bit green and recycling. That's something we do in our day-to-day lives. That doesn't make you a climate activist. Yeah. It's going above and beyond what's comfortable and easy to make to make a difference. And how do people... So the question that I always have with this is, you know, how do people fund this? Because people are giving up their whole lives. I think of uh, Gina Martin, who really campaigned mm. on behalf of upskirting yeah. to get the law to change around upskirting. And she basically had to dedicate two years of her life to that, um, which means that you know you can't work, you can't hold down a proper job. How do... Does it then become a bit of a kind of nice to have or something you can only do if you've got another form of income somewhere else? I think not. I, I think what we try and show in the book is that it, this isn't, this doesn't, it definitely does not belong to wealthy people or to the middle classes. You, the most effective activists in this book are people with very humble beginnings who, as Kate say, have very little but still manage to make a difference. And ultimately, having a message that people, that inspires people, you can't, no amount of money in the world can buy you that. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a, I think it's a fair question because I, I was struck by some of the people that we interviewed who literally have given up what the four of us might call normal or ordinary life to put their lives, literally some of them, their lives completely on the line. So I think, you know, you, you sort of move to yeah. a different a different order of thing then. But as Ella says, and I think it's true, if you care that much about something... You don't actually let other things get in your way. I think for a lot of women, that's going to mean a hell of a lot of time management and stuff. But hey, you know, women are really good at that. So that's okay. But we did, for example, even someone like Bill Browder with his um, cause to have the Magnitsky Act enacted all over the world, a man of, of great wealth who found that he no longer wanted to run his hedge fund, that he wanted to dedicate his life and all his quite substantial resources to the establishment of the Magnitsky Act. So I think it's a fair question because I think they distinctly, for me, is a lot of the people we've interviewed, there is a point where they put 
everything in. Mm. But, you know, hey, that's a, it's a big deal to put yourself at the service of, of your cause. Yeah. How do you... Um, I guess, how do you know that... Or is there a key theme that came out through the book for activists at that point where, as you say, they go from, OK, I'm quite in this and I really care, care about it to know this is everything? What's the turning point? I think some people, the people who, like DeRay Mackerson in America, who just set, saw what was happening in Ferguson and said, I had to put my body on the streets with other people. Yeah. I had to physically be there. Um, there's Native American activists who, who felt the same. I think there's, we can't tell people when yeah. that moment's going to come. That's something you know in your heart. But what we do say in the book is to be realistic about how much time you can spend on a cause. Um, I think a lot of people see a video and then go, gosh, I'm so passionate about this. And you know, tendency with uh, not just millennials, but maybe just 2019 is that we'll do something for a week and then maybe flake out. But it's much better to say, look, I've got an hour a week. I've got two hours a week or I've got an hour a month, whatever it is. And do that in a dedicated, uh, thoughtful manner that you're much better used to your cause if you can be realistic and you know straightforward about the time that you can give to it. So it's not something that's just for people who can give up their jobs and, and, and do it full time. Mm. Who really inspired you? Both of you, who was who's the one person in the book that you go back to again and again and you think, gosh, they're incredible? Kate. Um, I felt there were so many of them. And as I say, this was really an experience of it's just an honour to just get to talk to these people. But the person who took my breath away, and it wasn't a long interview, um, is a young man, Joshua Wong, who is the original leader of the umbrella protests in Hong Kong and is now one of the central figures in the protests that are going on in Hong Kong. He's only 22 and um, was expecting prior to these protests to have another trial in September and to go to prison for seven years. And honestly, as a as a mother, you, you're looking at a young person and you're going, yeah. oh, don't do that, nothing is worth your young life. But his view was, my people were promised democracy and it doesn't matter what it takes from me to deliver that. And I don't know about you, but my hair stood on end and I've, mm. I've just had my breath taken away. I mean, sorry, just to interrupt there. I think like Olympians, people are built differently, aren't mm. they? And to think yeah. of such a young boy at the age of 22 saying, it's not about me, it's about my country yeah. is about yeah. my democracy people. yeah every, and, and i'm gonna stand up and put myself on the line it's such a huge statement and such a big thing to follow through with it's just just absolutely huge and i just as i say it's humbling because i absolutely know i could never in my young years or old years or any years ever have have made that quantum of sacrifice mm. i think for quite a few people in the book they term themselves accidental activists they yeah. say i'd never you know terry cruz uh, the hollywood actor he said you know i, I, I was an actor you know i'd been i'd been a sportsman um and yeah but at the point that i was sexually assaulted and at the point where i became the male face of the me too movement you know now that's what i really want to spend my life doing and and you sometimes it is a bad thing that happens in people's mm. lives that push them into into activism, but but to come back to your question about who inspired me, um, speaking to Minnie Jean Brown Tricky, who was one of the uh, Little Rock Nine in Arkansas, so one of the African American yeah. kids who were the first to desegregate and had to be escorted in by state troopers in those very famous photos. Speaking to her, who was just a kid, and she said, you know, the way we got through it is we had our sense of humour, there was a cl class clown, 
And when I got home from school every day, kids had written to me from all over the world to say, we support you, we're inspired by you. For, for a lot of people, it's the first time they'd seen black kids on television. Mm. And she said, and it made me realise that reaching out to activists and saying, we support you, we admire you, is so important because it keeps them going. Yeah. And something, something that people don't know is the women who... Um, really were the, the 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 head and the spine of the Bring Back Our Girls movement in Nigeria. Yeah. And, you know, as Ella says, slacktivism, one of those things, and, and all of us retweeted Bring Back Our Girls in our millions. Yeah. But they, they're not all back. Yeah. Those women protest every single Tuesday outside the parliament in Lagos. They have kept the movement going. They protest. They have workshops. They tell people, I mean, think about that, you know, it's been years and they've just kept going. I mean, how amazing is that? That's incredible. And it's not their children. It's not their children. They're from another part of the country. Do you feel, looking at these stories, do you feel humbled that you get to Mm. tell them? Completely. I mean, for me, just, just, as I say, just, just knocks, just knocks you back. You just, you just feel anything you could do that would, that would make a difference. You would do that thing. It's funny, actually, humility is such an important component of effective activism. Yeah. Everybody really said, you know, you've got to really check your ego because if you become the cause, you've failed in your mission. And I, I, it was amazing how many people said that. They said, you know, it's not about me. It's not about taking the credit. It's about achieving this goal. And I think that that is such a great life lesson for whatever people want to pursue, but particularly in activism. Yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. You. And the summit is ten years old this year, mm-hmm. September in London. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. You have to be there. You absolutely have to be there. <laughs> if I wanted to get tickets there, how would I do that? Well, you're media, you see, so you're oh. special. Oh. <laughs> we'll be there. We'll so, be there. So Seven Hills will just you, just to credit you. I mean, media, you can be there. Otherwise, it's it's completely sold out. It I'm really, sure. literally, is sold out. But for the public, they can tune into the live stream. Uh, we Amazing. had people tuning in from more than a hundred countries last year. Um, and there'll be events going on all over London. Uh, it'll be the most international gathering ever in London, other than the London Olympics. So it's a pretty exciting time of year. Incredible, ladies. Thank you so much for coming in. No, thank you. How to Make a Difference, the definitive guide for the world's most effective activists out now. And some incredible stories in there. One, two, three, four. This has been the Badass Women's Hour podcast with me, Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. If you want to hear more from us, you can come follow us on social media at Badass Women's Hour HR um, or leave us a review and tell us how much you love us. We really need to feel the love. Five stars should do it. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 